Let's prepare, get ready to prepare our hearts and our minds for the Word of God. What we'd like to do is just take a moment for you to pray, to get in to, uh, to clear everything out so that you're ready to receive it. And then I'll close this out and we'll begin with the Word of God. Father, we humbly bow in prayer as we, as we prepare to open up your holy and divine word. Father, your word abides forever. You said in the Psalms that you uphold your word above your name. And we know what you think of your name. And your word is that important. It's the one thing that you left with us along with the Holy Spirit to guide us in this walk of life, to protect us, to give us direction. And Father, it glorifies you. And so as we study this morning, we want it to exalt you, to glorify you. We want to see you. We want to see Jesus in every page. He told the Pharisees that time, he said, you search the scriptures, for in them you think that you find eternal life. And yea, you will. If you seek me for every page describes me, but you will not receive it. And Father, we don't want to be among those who do not receive your word and who do not understand. And we pray for the understanding. We pray for the spirit now to come and to be a part of this. The spirit that lives within us. Those who are baptized and into Christ and those who are following you. It says... In Acts chapter 2, we'll talk about a little later, but Peter told them, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And he said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we've, we learn in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 2 that it says that the word of God is spiritually discerned. And so that's why we need him to be in us and to be a part of that so that we can discern your word and understand it. So, Father, open up our hearts and minds now to receive special truth that you have revealed for us today that glorifies your son and glorifies you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Open up to Joshua chapter 2, if you would. That's where... We left off last week and we got some folks who weren't here last week and we got some, some folks visiting with us and we love y'all and we want you to get caught up to speed. So I want to start talking a little bit by reviewing where we was last week in this. Uh, we started getting introduced to Rahab the harlot. We said that there was a reason why the Holy Spirit left that on there when he inspired men to write the word of God. And the reason he did was to show his grace. And to show his mercy. And it doesn't matter who you are. Where you've been. And what you've done. What matters is, is where you're going from here. It matters just like in your car. You got a big uh, windshield. And a little rear view. And so here we have a wonderful woman. Who learned about the grace of God. As she went forward. And uh, in Hebrews chapter 7. We talked about the doctrine. Or in chapter 10. We talked about the doctrine of heathenism a little bit. It's something that a lot of folks don't understand because 
there's always a question that gets asked a little bit. What happens to the, the Hottentots? What happens to the people in Indonesia and the Pacific Islands? People who had never maybe had an opportunity to hear the word of God. And we, we talked about how that it is God's responsibility to have his word revealed to each and every person who comes of a mind and able to understand the word of God. And so what happens is there's several ways, there's five or six ways that this can happen. But one of them is Romans chapter 1 tells us and makes pertinent that God has revealed himself and who he is in his creation. That everything that is going on from the rising of the sun each morning and the going from the east and the west and the doing that circuit to the stars and to the planets and to the, the revolution of things, that everything in the creation of God explains that he is and that he is divine and that there is an intelligent source to all of this. And when a person comes to a God consciousness, to a thing that says there is a being that has done this, if that heart begins in a positive way to seek after God, then it's God's responsibility to get the word to them and to provide a way of salvation. Why? Because Peter said that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And so he, it is his responsibility then to bring that, and he does it in many ways. And we saw last week that one of those ways was with Rahab the harlot. Joshua was in chapter 1, he was getting everybody together and he said within the next three days get you some provisions, the manna's going to start drying up, we're going to start eating regular food in the land that we're going to and, and within three days we're going to go take control and start going into this land. But all of a sudden God said hold on a minute. Hold on one second Baba Louie because we got something going on over here in Jericho. In Jericho we've got a woman. And she has heard about me. She's heard about all the works that are going on. And what I want you to do is to send two, we call them spies. But it's, they're really messengers. They were witnesses of the word of God to this woman. And he said, we're going to send two over into the land. And he said, especially go to Jericho and seek it out. And so then we find that they went into Jericho in chapter 2. They go in the first place, you know, lo and behold where they went. Out of all the places they could have went in Jericho, it says they went to the house of Rahab the harlot. You know why? Because Rahab has believed. You see, we're going to find out in verse 6, if you look there, she begins talking to them, and she begins describing what was going on in verse 6. When she had brought them up to the roof, and the, hidden them with the stalks of the flax in which she had laid in order on the roof, she said, hey, I want to speak to you for a minute. Hey, I want to make a point to, to tell you guys something. And she's going to tell them that God, your God, is the God of heaven and earth. And we have heard everything that was done. God told Moses, I am going to glorify myself and my word will go throughout all of the region because of what I am going to do to Pharaoh and to the gods of Egypt. And it says she's going to go on to tell him that we heard all about the plagues. We heard about the Red Sea crossing. How God dried the land up 
for you guys to cross. How that you had battles with some giant realms of Sihon and Og and those kingdoms. And our hearts melted within us. And we feared what your God is going to do. And I know that the God of heaven and earth is giving this land to you. Wow. So now, but before I get into all of that, that's kind of a catch up of where we was last week. But before I get, I want to cover something that I left off for a purpose last week for today. And that is in verse 6 there, when she goes back and talks to him about hiding them in the flax. And before these guys could even lay down and get in, you see, they weren't even really scared. They knew that there was a knock on the door and the officers had came and she steered them off a different direction before they could even get hidden in the flax and laying down. She comes up to them and it says that they were on the roof where she had brought them among the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. We've been talking about how that God has left that on there, her tag of it was Rahab the harlot. I want to talk to you though that I personally think that at this time with her faith in God, she was beginning to change her life and look for a new way of life because I want, I want to show you why I would say that. And again, I always tell you when it's my personal opinion or a take on something, and this is a personal opinion. I can't just say, thus saith the Lord on this. But as an insight into the study, I just want to share with you something that I think might be going on in this section of Scripture here. And it says this, in Proverbs chapter 31, you know, flax is a representative of something in the Bible. And in Proverbs 31, it's the, it's the story, it's the chapter of the virtuous woman and the virtuous wife and what she does. And in verse 10 beginning, the writer there of Proverbs says, Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil throughout all the days of her life. And then listen to this. The first thing about a virtuous woman, the description of her. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ship that brings the food from afar. So what is the first description of a virtuous woman or a wife? She takes wool and flax and works with it with her hands. You see, it was a symbol throughout the scriptures of industry, of working with your hands, of, of making something. It was an occupation and a trade. So when the Holy Spirit makes it a point, and in a moment we're going to see that she has a rope, scarlet rope, of what she's going to lead them out of the window with and let them escape. That's what you use when you make it with flax because flax, you would take those strands and you dry them out and you shred them and they come into pieces. And then you put those few pieces together and wind them and you get thread. And then you take strips of thread and you wind them together and you get cords. And then you take a couple of cords like three. A strand of three is not easily broken. And you take the three cords then that you've made out of the flax and the thread. And you take those three cords and wind them together and you've got a rope. And so this is an industry. This is a trade. And so I am just wondering and putting it out for your thought as well. 
I think she may have been changing who she was because she knows about the Lord and things are getting ready to happen in Jericho and she is seeking a different way. And God has now sent these two men straight to her house seeking her. In verse 8, back into our chapter, before they had even laid down, she was back up there and she came and talked to him and she said to the man, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and all the inhabitants of the land. They have become faint-hearted because of you. Why? Verse 10. Because we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea and you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, as we've just said, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, we were petrified. Our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any courage anymore within us because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in heaven and on the earth beneath. Praise God. Did you hear that? What she says to him. I think we're finding a woman who is a changing of heart and she is reaching out. And you know what Romans 10.10 says? She just said, your God is the God. I am claiming him as the God of heaven and of earth. Romans 10.10 in action. Because it says there, with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Here she is. She is a saved woman seeking the God. And God has now sent the two messengers. She confessed her faith in the one true God. Now look at verse 12. Now therefore, I beg of you, swear to me by the Lord since I have shown you kindness that you will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token that you would spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and myself, all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. Well, one good turn does deserve another, isn't it? I have rescued you, so in that token, would you also provide rescue to us because I know who your God is, and I know what he's getting ready to do, even if you guys didn't know. You see, this had already happened 40 years ago. God had already prepared to land, but they were afraid. Last time they sent 12 spies over, and they were, 10 of them were still afraid. So they had to wander until a new uh, generation came that might have some faith. This woman's faith and her confession and what God is getting ready to do builds the faith of these two men who are there because they're going to come back Look what he's going to say in a minute. In a minute, he's going to say, when God gives us the land. They hadn't been so sure of that before now, had they? None of them had been very sure that God was giving them the land. But now all of a sudden, they see that everything God had been trying to tell them was true and real. And all of a sudden, he said, yes. And when God does deliver the land into our hands, we will then save you and deliver you and your family there. And uh got ahead of myself. So listen again to verses 10 and 11. We heard how the Lord dried it up. You see how the Lord took things as the gospel. That was the gospel message going out to that land. We heard what you did to the kings 
And as soon as we heard these, our hearts melted. No more courage was left. But you know what? They heard all of those things, and yet they weren't saved, though, were they? Only Rahab made a commitment of faith. So I want to drop something in for us here now. This reminds me of a scripture. What gave her faith in the true God of heaven sapped the courage and strength out of them. And in James chapter 2, it reminds me of verse 19. There he's telling them. James is trying to tell them about faith. And he says, you say you believe that there is one God? Well, you do well, but I want you to know something. The demons, the devil himself, believe and tremble. Isn't that just what these guys did? They believed that your God is doing these things, and it sapped our strength, and we are trembling. We have no courage left within us. She makes a commitment of faith. They make a commitment of rejection and rebellion, just as the demons who had done and rebelled against God long ago. For the substance of faith is the substance of things hoped for and your evidence of things not seen as of yet. Faith is an action word. Throughout the entire chapter 11 of Hebrews, when it starts out with that, what faith is, every single iota from there, every example was an example of what faith is. And what faith is is when Noah heard that the world was going to be destroyed by water. He did not tremble in fear and do nothing, but he says that when he heard those things being warned of God of the things that was coming, he moved with fear to prepare the ark for the saving of his family. Abraham, when he was asked to cross the river and to go into a land that he knew not of, but a land that God was promising him, he packed up and he left and he moved and he dwelt in tents to live in that land. By faith, Abel offered the more perfect sacrifice that was called for in the word of God than what Cain did. Everybody always wonders, why did God reject Cain's and accept Abel's? Because it says here that it was by faith. Faith comes by what again? And hearing by what? So if what he offered was acceptable by faith, that means God had told him what he expected the offering to be. And one chose to do what he wanted to do because he was a tiller of the ground. And he said, I am going to offer what I want. Whereas Abel says, I'm going to offer what God asked me to offer. And it says his was acceptable. The other one was not. And when his countenance was lowered because he was rejected, God specifically came, came to Cain and he said, Why is your countenance fallen? Why are you looking that way? If you do good, will you not be accepted? All you have to do is follow what I asked you to do. But if you refuse, know that sin lieth at the door and it is waiting for you. It is crouching there and it is ready to spring. You've got to do what I told you to do and not what you want to do. Don't rebel against it or else sin will pounce on you. That is what faith is. Faith is not just saying, yeah, there's God and you move on and pay no more attention. That's what the rest of them did. That's what the people of Jericho did. They believed, feared, and moved on and did not change. Faith is an action word. What does it say? Faith, by faith in chapter 11, verse 31 of this woman Rahab. 
Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she received the spies with peace. What do you mean she didn't perish with those who didn't believe? I just thought she said that everyone believed and their hearts quaked, right? That's not, there's different kinds of belief, isn't there? That's not the proper kind. So, I wanted to drop that in just like James 2.25 puts there. Likewise was not Rahab the harlot justified by her works when she received the messengers and sent them the other way. Our story is trying to point us out what faith is and what happens to a life when it does. Faith is making a commitment, a positive thing that when God brings his word upon you that you react in a positive way to it and you accept that and you lose self and you deny self and you give to him and that is whenever we get bought again by the precious blood of Jesus Christ whenever we follow what he tells us to do now back to Joshua to chapter 2 and he says in verse 12 again okay she's asked now for kindness he said I, she said, I showed you kindness. Show me your token. Deliver my father's house and all of us and my brothers and sisters from death. And it, it looks like at this point she's not married. You know why? Because God's got her in the line we saw last week in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. She's going to get ready to marry Salmon, one of those who is of Israel. And so he has protected her for this because she's of the lineage of of his son and verse 14 the witnesses make a promise back to her and they say our lives for yours if you remain silent and you won't tell anyone of this business that we came here to do if you will you've protected us and you're going to send us away but if you keep silent so that it's the effort is not thwarted then yes we will we will we will protect you then it shall be, and here's now where we see their faith has been emboldened by her faith. It says, when the Lord has given us the land, we will deal kindly and truly with you. Isn't that fantastic? Notice how her faith rubbed off on them. You know, that's why we meet together. And that's why we're supposed to be a people of like-minded faith and, and helping one another as we see the day approaching. Why? Because Iron sharpens iron and faith sharpens faith. And when we take us out of a fire and put us by ourselves, the log will go out. You got to keep the log in with the fire. So he says, congregate and assemble yourselves together so that you can build the faith one to another. And that's what she just did for these young men. And with that promise in hand, verse 15, Rahab grabs a rope. It was probably a rope that she has now made. And she takes the rope of flax from her roof. And then she lets him down by this rope out of her window. For it says, look there, it says, For her house was on the city wall. And then the word of God repeats itself by saying she dwelt on the wall. Now, when the word of God repeats itself with something, it's because there's a point being made. He wants you to really understand what's going on. So why would there be a point right here of, she let him down out of the window because her house was on the wall and her, she dwelt in the wall of the city. You wonder why that was so important. You know why? You guys heard the rest of the story. What's going to happen in chapter 6? They are, aren't they? 
The walls are going to call, fall flat down. I want to ask you something. If God is preparing the heart of this woman, she's going to be in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Where do you think that he would have her at to protect her whenever he comes into the city? Wouldn't you think she'd be in the center somewhere? In a palace somewhere? In a fort somewhere? No. The Holy Spirit makes a special point to tell us she's in the wall. And she dwells on the wall. To go along with that, I want to tell you a little story, a true story that kind of illustrates why she's in the wall. Because they're going to march one time a day for six days around all of those walls. And on the seventh day, they're going to march seven times around that wall. And then they're going to fall flat down. And so they look at her and they said, the man said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of ours to you and to you, which you have made you swear unless when we come into the land. Now listen to this. We want you to bind this line of scarlet cord in your window through which you will let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and everything that you have, anyone who is going to be saved from the destruction when we come, they've got to be in your own house, on the wall where the walls are going to fall down. That's where we want you to be. So it shall be that whoever goes outside of your house, Anyone who goes outside of the house that's on the wall that's going to come tumbling down except for your little piece. So anyone that goes out, we are not, we're going to be guiltless of what happens to them. If they go into the street, if they leave, then their blood is upon their own head. We won't have anything to do. But as long as they stay in your house with the scarlet rope wrapped around the window, then we will deliver you. And then she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away. They departed. And she already immediately began believing what the word was told to her. And she started wrapping the scarlet cord around her window. They departed and went to, through the mountain. They stayed for the three days. And then they returned back to Joshua. <clears throat> and they told him all the things that had befell him. And here is now their conviction of faith. Truly, Joshua... The Lord has delivered all the land into our hands. For indeed, all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. Yeah, the wall is going to come tumbling down. But she is exactly where God wants her to be. On the wall, right there in the middle of the battle, right there in the middle of the fuss, and all of the stuff that's happening, he doesn't want you isolated, he wants you in the middle of it. Right there for a point. It's the most dangerous place in the city. But that's where God says, I want you to dwell and don't go out the door. It reminds me of a true story. I want to, I want to share with you a story that illustrates what's going on here. And then we're going to make application to us with this. But there's a story about a believer in God. He was a Christian. He was a Scotsman by the name of Frederick Nolan. And Frederick Nolan was fleeing from his enemies who was persecuting him over in northern Africa. He was running. He was running for his life. They were after him. He, he got so weary that he stumbled. He saw a cave. He, he went into this little bitty cave that was there. And he became despondent and depressed. And he started thinking, God, 
I have tried to serve you. I have tried to say I'm a Christian. I've tried to follow what you said. And look what's happening to me. They are coming after me to kill me. And I was counting on you for protection. And I wasn't counting on something like this happening in my life. While he was waiting and saying those words, you know what started happening? He noticed something. He noticed a spider. Most of us would have probably... <laughs> no, you'd, you'd, have, you'd have probably helped him out of the door, wouldn't you? But he was right where God wanted him to be. Because that spider started weaving a web immediately in that little opening. By the time they came and caught up to where they were and they were searching all of the caves and all of the hideouts, they came to that one and Frederick Nolan heard the leader say, don't bother with that one. There's a spider's web covering it. If he was there, it would have knocked the web. Nothing could have went through that, so he's not there. He started asking God for forgiveness for doubting his protection and his safety. And when everything was over and he escaped, he penned these words to let everybody know. He says, where God is, a web is better than a wall. But where God is not, a wall isn't even as good as a web. That's the story of Rahab right here. But folks, that's the story for you and I as well as we're going through this life. Where God is, even a spider's web would protect us. Why? Because he is our shield and great reward, is he not? We talk about these promises of God. We studied Abraham chapter 15. Whenever he was being fearful of these armies coming back. I always love to go to that. He said, how can I trust you to protect me if you can't even give me a child? And God took him out and said, look at the stars, my son. If I put these there and I can make them go in every which direction and everything works properly, I can take care of you. It says in Psalm 91 that he shelters us beneath the shadow of his wings. Where God is, it's better than a wall. She doesn't have to be in the center of town. She doesn't have to be protected by the fort and the towers and the lookouts because they're going to fall too. And they are going to be destroyed. But where God is in the house, then that house is protected by the promises and the word of God. And he's got you. And it's safer there on the walls that's going to fall down than any other place in town. So now, as... We move on our application to us. I want to tell you about the scarlet cord then. That scarlet cord, that rope that she's going to bind there. Because we're going to find out that when they come marching around, they're going to see that. And they're going to get her out. And they're going to be protected. But I want to tell you about this scarlet cord. It, you know, it runs all the way through the Bible. It runs from Genesis chapter 3 to Revelation chapter 22. And the scarlet cord is the blood of Jesus Christ. It started in Genesis chapter 3 whenever the serpent beguiled the woman. And after it was all said and done, God said, I'm going to send a son that's going to bruise your head. He's going to take care of you. But you're, you're going to bruise his heel. There's going to be some blood shed because he's my sacrificial lamb. But he's going to ruin your day. He's going to bruise your head. And that first token of the scarlet cord came down 
in verses 21 and 22 when God then told him to take the fig leaves off and he offered up a sacrifice of an innocent animal and gave them skins to cover themselves. But that blood sacrifice of that innocent animal was the first token of the scarlet cord for sin. And it goes on through the blood of Abel screams from the ground. And Hebrews 11 says in that chapter of faith that his offering still speaks to God because of the, sil or the scarlet cord that it represents. Let's fast forward to Exodus 12 if we can for a minute. Exodus 12, the 10th plague is getting ready to happen on Egypt. They've had nine. We're getting ready for number 10, the death of the firstborn of every house and every animal that is within Egypt. And God told him this. He said, Moses, I want you to go and I want you to tell the people that on the 10th day you're going to select a lamb, a perfect lamb, out of your things and you're going to bring him by your house. I want you to pay attention to every little detail here. You're going to bring him to your house. And on the 14th day of the first month, you're going to slay that animal. And you're going to take the blood of that lamb with hyssop. And you're going to strike it upon the doorposts and the lintels of your house. That night, the destroyer is going to pass through Egypt. Anyone who is in the house that is covered by the blood of the Lamb will be safe. Anyone who is not in the house that is covered by the blood will not be safe. Are you starting to see this, the scarlet cord running through? What did, what did the men tell Rahab? Put them in your house. Put the scarlet cord around your window and don't let them go out of your house and into the street so that when the destroyer comes, they will be safe. Moses said, put the blood on the post. Stay in your house. Do not leave. And when, the, when I come through Egypt, leading the way, I will see the blood upon the doorposts of your house and I will pass over you this day. But those who don't, I will not pass over. And they will be destroyed. And that's exactly. He said, this feast, God told Moses to tell the people. This feast, this representation of the blood of the lamb shall be to you when you go into the land. It will be a thing that you do every year from now on. You know when the first celebration of that was? Right here. The first time that the scarlet cord of this promise in the new land was done by a Gentile woman called Rahab the harlot who now believes in God and believes in that blood of the lamb and her scarlet cord wraps around her window and everyone that is going to be in her house is going to be saved. Now, let's turn to Joshua 6 and see real quickly the rest of this story to see just exactly what happens then. So as we go to there in verse 17, the city was doomed for destruction by the Lord, just like Egypt was on that night. It and all who are in it, only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all who are with her where? Whew, man. And where's her house? 
on the wall. The safest place there is. Why? Because it's covered by the blood of the Lamb. Now, verse 20. The priests, they blow the trumpets. The soldiers shout. The walls fall flat like it said it was going to do. Israel, all, every man of them goes straight up into the city and they utterly destroy it. The destroyer came that day. But then verse 22 though, but, don't you just love them buts of the Bible? But, Joshua told the two men who had spied out the land, he said, go. Go to the harlot's house. You know what? For, for seven days, they've walked around that. The people on the inside who have rejected God could not see the scarlet cord, could they? Because her window was on the outside, on the wall, to those who are believers to know who to protect. But on the inside, those who don't believe had no protection and did not, they, they could not see the scarlet cord because they've rejected him. So for six days, he said, God, those two spies told everyone, God has delivered the land to us and she even told us about it. And she's going to put a scarlet cord in her window. And for seven days, as they marched around that city every day, guess what they saw as they came around that corner? They saw the scarlet rope, didn't they? They saw it in the window. What do you think their faith was each time as they saw that looking up there? When you know that you're covered by the blood of the Lamb, your faith just builds up even as, as things are getting ready to just get with it. So... They walk around and they see that. And on this seventh day, when the walls fall flat, hers happens to just be right there. And he says, go, go find them. Go find her. And it says there that they went up. And, they, and I like what Joshua told them. You bring them out just as you swore that you would. You know what? If you make an oath about something, you ought to do everything you can to keep it, don't you? He could have easily just forgot about that. But he said... You swore to her, so you go make it good. You guys go and see who's still in the house like you told them. And it says that they went up and they took Rahab, her father, her mother, and brothers, and all that was hers, and they were spared. And she dwells with them, the word of God says, into this land to this day. And that scarlet cord, the thread there still bears true still, that any place where God is... Is stronger than a wall, even if it's a web. Any place where God is not, even though you may have a wall, it's, a, it's more fragile than what a web is. So the Lord Jesus Christ is this scarlet cord that's representative. He is the spiritual description of what this physical things that were going on is for every word always speaks and points to who and what he is. He is the Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb, the blood that was on the doorpost, the scarlet representation of the cord in the window, and he is also ours. And so as our praise team returns, and we close today with, with an application spiritually for us, have we been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Is our house, this body, this temple, you know, it, it tells us in, in the New Testament, in Corinthians, that this body is now the temple of God. Is the temple of God covered with the blood on the doorposts, on the lintels, around the windows? Do you have the blood covering you? Well, how is that? You say, well, first of all, the church is that blood-bought institution. 
Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 says this. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to the flock of whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To shepherd the church of God. So what is the church of God? That is what he purchased with his own blood. The church, you and I. Who is the church? We are the church. How many times did we say that in prison? Who is the church? We are the church. What are we? We are a blood-bought institution by the Lamb of God. He says that he purchased you with his own blood. Then it says, well, well, how do you enact that? What does that mean? Well, in Acts chapter 2, where I was talking about a while ago, whenever that first gospel sermon, when Peter stood up there with the other ten and started making the, the talk, and it says that, the, the, everyone was gathered around and he told them that this same Jesus Christ that you did not believe in, that you crucified, God has made this same one both to be Lord and Savior and he's on the right hand of God at this moment as we speak. And it says they were pricked in their heart. They began to believe now, those who had rejected him, they began to believe and they said, men and brethren, in verse 37, what shall we do? Peter said, repent. And I want you to know that repent just means to change your mind. Repentance is a change of mind. The word repent means I'm walking this way and I change direction and go this way. Rahab had been walking this way and now she's walking this way. At one time I was walking this way, but when I was pricked in my heart, I started walking this way and said, Men and brethren, what shall I do? And Peter says, Repent. Change your way and your direction and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. What for? For the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is a promise not only to you but to your family, to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And it says that they that gladly received his word that day were baptized and the Lord added to their numbers daily, such as were being saved. And then you go down to the last verse there in, in 247. And it says there that the Lord adds then to the church those who were being saved. Verse 41, those who gladly received were bat, baptized and added that day 3,000 souls. If the church is the blood-bought institution, and that is what is adding you there then that is where you also the blood gets applied to your doorpost and your lentils of your house, this temple. And you, you imitate the death, the burial, and the resurrection and of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul, as he was making his final uh, appeal to some people in Acts chapter 22, he, he, he told about what had happened in his life. He gave kind of his testimony. And he said, you know what? I was, I was going after Christians. I was trying to persecute them. I wanted to enslave them. I'd had Stephen stoned. I held the coats of these people. And as I was on the road to Damascus, the Lord came to me. And my horse, I was bucked off the horse. I was blinded by his marvelous light. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus, the Christ, whom you are persecuting. And it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And that's the ox goes. Whenever an ox tries to start to run away. If you got that sharp stick behind his heels. And he kicks that heel up and tries to run. That will poke him. And put him back in line. And God said, Jesus was saying. It's hard for you to do that. You better stay in line. You better come to the knowledge of me. And he says. I didn't confer with flesh and blood. I went on to where he told me to go on into the house. And this man named Ananias, he came and he talked to me. And he said to me this. He said, Saul, 
What are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And he did that. If you are here today and you've not, I pray that you do not leave here without having done that and have the blood, that scarlet cord that stretched from Genesis 3 that will stretch to Revelation 22, that that will be a part of you and your house and you will be safe no matter what befalls you. To those who have made that, let's stay in the house, okay? Let's keep following after him. Let's not ever give up no matter how hard, no matter what it is. We have to encourage and exhort one another as you see the day approaching. Let's stay with him. Let's not ever give up. And let's pray. And Father, we thank you so much for your word and for the descriptive ways that you had these, these people of yours. It says that you had them to do these things to show us these things in a spiritual way. They were all physical representatives of spiritual things. And Father, we see such a great message today. And may we take that message with us. May our house be covered with the scarlet cord. In a moment, we're going to fulfill what Jesus said that continues that practice on the Lord's Supper. As we partake of that fruit of the vine and that unleavened bread that is the the representation spiritually of the blood and the body of Jesus Christ, our, our lamb, our Passover. Those things were written to give us faith and we carry that tradition of the scarlet cord on every Sunday when we partake of the Lord's Supper with you on the first day of the week. Father, may our houses be covered with that blood. May we be protected. May we be safe from all harm. Father, may we praise you. We glorify you for what we have learned. May we always realize that we can dwell on the wall and the rest of the walls can fall flat, but we can be delivered. We can be in the house that, that, that you pass over. Father, what a great example. Give us faith. Give us the encouragement of your word to help us to walk in it. In Jesus' name. Amen.